Hello, everyone. I'm Priest Willis, and this is Missions and Marketplace podcast, episode number 26. I'm joined by the beautiful, both inside and out, Miko Branch, who is CEO, co-founder of the Miss Jessie's brand, which was born in Brooklyn, NYC. Brooklyn's in the house. Out of necessity. In the early 2000s, Miko and her sister Titi revolutionized the hair care market by being the first to develop original and groundbreaking hair products designed to enhance curly hair for people of all and every ethnic background. Now, I first heard about their brand when I was looking for new products to put inside my hair because I am a biracial male and I wanted to find something that got along with my hair. Back in the day, I used to throw water in it. Now I had to be a little bit more sensitive the older I got. This product works out for me. I'm not trying to sell it to you. It just is what it is. They also have an amazing book that they co-authored together. The name of the book is Miss Jessie's Creating a Successful Business from Scratch. We talk about the book, her business, her salon, and just some of her core principles on business. I think you're really going to enjoy this. I hope that you do. I hope that you visit their website. I hope that you get the book because in principle, they may be talking about beauty products and things along those lines. But trust me when I tell you that all of these principles, all of these challenges that they face could be applied to your business. So without further ado, here is Miko Branch. Welcome to Missions and Marketplace Podcast. Join us as we talk to business and thought leaders who discuss their passion in and outside of business and how it drives them to give and be citizens of goodwill. Let's get started. Miko, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Priest. Yeah, it's exciting having you. I'm I'm so glad to finally get a chance to talk to you. I'm an interracial male, black and white. And one of the hardest things for me to find is, you know, hair products that make sense for my hair. I have kind of a curly texture hair. It's really interesting. It reacts to certain products. And I don't know if reacts is the right word, but it dries up. But I started using your stuff. First of all, you know, that's kind of what turned to like, who is this? I mean, this is pretty cool. I found you at, you know, a local beauty store and I didn't hear anything of you. Then my wife started telling me more about you. I read the book and it just went down a rabbit hole from there. So that's how I kind of got introduced to you guys through your products. Oh, that is wonderful. I'm so glad you've used Miss Jess. And I'm also so glad you read our story. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really interesting story. And that's why I kind of, you know, I want to share it here. I think the different mommy bloggers and, and small business owners and people along those lines will be interested to hear your story because it's a it's a really, really good one. You guys are like the, you know, CJ Madam Walker of the 21st century, from my perspective, at least. That is a huge compliment because we are highly inspired by Madam CJ Walker. So um, I, I'm honored. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? How did you and your sister get into the business? And more importantly, let's hear about how you kind of folded into, you know, just the beauty line, the you know, the beauty space. I have always been drawn to uh, beauty um, in some form or fashion. As a younger Miko, I was the go-to girl um, in Jamaica, Queens um, for anything, any hairstyling, any kind of anything pretty. Um, I was always game. So and it, most most of the girls on our block got their first hair uh, dues from me. So that was something that came to me naturally. Was My, you doing the around the way hairdos with the big yeah. hoop earrings? And was that you? Yeah. Yes, it was. But even before that, uh, Grease and Water was a great 
great uh, concoction for girls who had tightly coiled uh, curls. So you could do wonders with grease and water and ponytails and braids. And then once I became maybe a teenager, I started experimenting with relaxers. So that was something that came to me naturally. I was always good at it. Always wanted to maybe do something uh, in a career, but too shy to tell my parents. Uh, My sister and I were no strangers to hard work. We were raised by a father who thought that being an entrepreneur was key. My dad came out of the civil rights era and he understood the importance of being free and being in a position of choice. My sister Titi, who is my older sister, she's around a year and three months older than me, was always my big sister in in actuality, but also in her presence. Um, There wasn't anything that my sister wouldn't do for me. She held, we were latchkey kids and she often held the key. Um, Titi was a great protector. She was a great educator for me, a great leader. And uh, Titi took care of me uh, for mostly all of my life. My dad introduced us to hard work and uh, at a very early age with his influence, my mother encouraged us to do our first lemonade stand. At the time, money was really flowing through our house. So if Titi and I wanted anything, we had to work hard to get it. Mm. So at the age of seven and eight, Titi and I decided we would uh, uh, have a lemonade and Kool-Aid stand. Um, in order to get that up and running, we needed sugar, water, packets of Kool-Aid and lemons. And we were able to amass $25 to buy ourselves a plastic pool. Very early on at a young age, we understood that we are able to achieve the things that we want if we worked hard. Once Titi and I became older in our early 20s, we partnered up and uh, we used our God-given talent because we didn't have access to money. We weren't aware of loans. Uh, we didn't have any investors and we didn't really have any contacts, you know, but what we did have was our God-given talent. My sister was a great communicator. She worked at ABC Eyewitness News here in New York. And I had already started uh, doing hair. I worked at a few salons and we decided we were going to partner up. My sister called every single person in New York City and wanted to know were they in need of a hairstylist. And finally, she landed a job with Ashley Stewart through the referral of a wonderful woman by the name of Sonia Aline, who was at the time the uh, editor-in-chief at Black Elegance magazine. Um, With that, I worked a week. And for a week's worth of uh, hairstyling services, we made $8,000. Wow. $8,000, that's where my sister encouraged me to come out of the house. And we opened our first salon in the Borum Section Hill part of Brooklyn. It was a two-chair salon. And in the first month, we made a profit. So we were very excited, very encouraged uh, to stay the course with business. My sister and I would eventually uh, go on to specialize in curls, kinks, and waves. And that was a big deal back in the early 2000s, because at the time, there were no uh, Miss Jessies on the shelves of Target. Mm. But we decided to specialize in curls, kinks, waves. There were no Miss Jessies, as I mentioned to you before. So what we did was we mixed it at our kitchen table, similarly to the way we saw our grandmother, Miss Jessie, uh, do at her kitchen table when there wasn't anything available um, to her specifications. So we've got a chance to witness a real CEO, a female CEO, and that would be our grandmother, by just sitting around her kitchen table and watching her rule our family uh, from that post. So when it came time for us to be our own bosses, we had a very, very clear clear understanding of what a woman boss should be. And that was our grandmother. So we decided to name our product company and eventually our whole company after our grandmother, Miss Jessie. That's so sweet. So tell me this. So I have two daughters. Uh, One is 17, one is 12. One thing I've noticed between the two of them as they got older 
you recognize their personalities. You notice that, you know, one is a little bit more aggressive. One tends to be a little bit more savvy and quiet in business, I guess. I see that dynamic between the two. So, for example, my wife is out of town right now. And my 12 year old, no kidding, told me, if you just do what I tell you to do, we're going to be okay. That's what she tells me. And I'm like, so you're going to pay bills? Then we should be fine. So I'm wondering if that dynamic was in place between you and your sister was because, you know, what you tend to find is two opposites coming into business. And was there one more of a like a I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm a go getter. And the other one was counting the change in the back. Or how did that dynamic work between you and TT? So there was certainly a a difference in personality. That dynamic was certainly in play. And there was also a a relationship, a big sister, little sister relationship that was already set in stone uh, from years and years of practice because Mm -hmm. my sister had always taken her role as sister very seriously. When we became partners in business, that role was still in play. We welcomed it. I love being uh, a little sister to my older sister. I trusted Titi immensely. In business, what we found is that that sister role, uh, the, the, the personalities and the dynamics in the relationship was sometimes challenged because business tends to be unforgiving when it comes to consequences. And when those consequences set in, it's really, really not compatible with well, who's the bigger sister, who's the older sister. What we found was that we were both going to be held accountable equally. And with that in mind, that changed some of the roles in our relationship, both professionally and personally. So there were times when it felt more convenient for me to be the younger sister, the sister that let TT take charge. But what I realized in businesses is that we both had to uh, be held accountable on an equal level. And although we were very much Thelma and Louise in most aspects of our life, both business-wise and personally, we flip-flopped and, you know, where Titi was strong, I was weak. And then where I was weak, Titi was strong. And we constantly flip-flopped into roles because honestly, we didn't have training or we didn't have a mentor who told us, you know, you're supposed to do this part and you're supposed to do that part. So we just kind of listened to our gut and uh, we listened to, there was a sign of the times, you know, when, when it was clear that I wasn't uh, strong, Titi was weak, she would step up and vice versa. So that's pretty much how we felt our way through our business. You brought up mentors in retrospect. So you have some really good stories in the book. In fact, it talks about the dynamic between you and your sister in some really deep moments that I don't want to reveal, frankly, because I want people to read this book. Uh-huh. But the thing that I love most about the book is that you left some of those deep moments in there that some people would theoretically not say because they wouldn't have to, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know, but you did, which I thought was very authentic to your story. First of all, the follow up question here was that, do you find that you not having a mentor? Did it help? Did it hinder your your process? I know you, you've had some struggles along the way and challenges that probably you wouldn't have had if somebody was there guiding you through it. But you guys are kind of pioneering or you were pioneering in the early 2000s, you know, the whole curly hair and, and training it. You know, do you wish there would have been more mentors and people from the beauty space that you could have gleaned from where you, you couldn't, frankly? You know, I, I really have embraced all of the things that have happened because we wouldn't be as just as we, we are today yeah. had, had it, the things happen the way they did, both good and bad. And I've learned to embrace everything that's come along with this journey um, in life and in business. And that's a sign of maturity on my part. If I had it my way, I would probably have more visible 
more recognizable mentors because in my mind, I think that that would have saved us some time mm. had we been able to go to someone and say, oh, what do you do in this situation? Or we're in this situation, how do you move through? Or what should we look out for? Um, so in the traditional sense, we didn't have mentors but in an unconventional way, we had the best mentors in the world. We had my dad. Mm. I had Titi. Titi had me. Mm. Uh, we had our grandmother. So we found our help where we could get it. And since we didn't have business school or since we didn't have recognizable mentors um, wearing their mentor hat, we really tapped into the lessons that our dad taught us. We tapped into the lessons that we learned. We used some of our failures as our mentorship program. So because we were raised to be resourceful, we created a way for us to learn through our experiences and through the people we were coming in contact with because we were doing it ourselves and because uh, we didn't have access to things like mentors. So as much as I would have liked mentors along the way, I feel like it would have been easier I'm also not discounting the experiences that we had and the people who played a huge role and influence in our lives. Uh, just off the top of my head, for me, it would be my father, Jimmy Branch, my grandmother, Miss Jessie May Branch, uh, my sister, T.G. Branch, and also my son, Faison Branch. So I feel fortunate. Looking back in retrospect, you also took some different paths to kind of your journey and what you want to do. And you found out early on because it's my understanding that you went to community college and then decided to turn around and go to FIT and more of a kind of a fashion and beauty route than just the standard university. And it's a lot like me because when I was younger, I didn't necessarily drink the Kool-Aid that getting into digital marketing, I had to go to a university. In fact, it was so early that I don't think a professor could teach me some of the stuff that I just learned along my path. And yes. frankly, I don't think a teacher could have taught you in the early 2000s some mm -hmm. of these new beauty doors that you and TT were breaking down. As people are listening and young people specifically, if you had it to do all over again, would you take your schooling approach that way? Or do you put an emphasis on, no, you should absolutely go to a university? I think I know your answer to this, but do you think you made the right decision as far as your education outside of, you know, your general high school and stuff? I absolutely love my journey um, and every step of the way uh, gave me teachable moments that I was able to apply to my business. Mm. If there were a course that taught me everything that I learned, then I would certainly sign up and take it because, mm. again, it would save me time. But because I had to learn the things that I learned with consequences and also with some some wins, um, they stuck, those lessons stuck with me, I think, in a more, I, not I think, I know, in a more meaningful way than any course that I could have taken. I think um, it might be fun for me to go back to business school um, and maybe get an MBA in business and now kind of do it backwards and um, find out what's the name for some of the moves that we've done in our business, you know, never knowing what the names were, but we would still do it. And uh, when we would win, um, it'd just be interesting to know, is is there a way, uh, is, is that a way that people do it in traditional business? I think that would be fun. The just doing it, the, the education that you get in the just doing it 
it's so abundant. You know, sitting in a classroom, I know that there's lessons that you learn, but to really get your hands on it and get your hands in it, I mean, that education is priceless. So I would recommend it for everyone. Um, and then I would also say, while you're, if you're going to approach, you know, a school that way, hands on, you also got to be prepared for some of the failures. So um, get ready. Get ready. What steps do you take even right now after starting a successful business? What steps do you take to continue to learn and improve yourself as an individual and a business person? I'm, I'm a Virgo. Um, and <laughs> they say, for, you know, I'm starting to believe those kinds of things more and more every day. But I'm very analytical and I'm often paying attention to just regular human nature some of the things that are, are going on in front of me, I feel like there's lessons and there's there's wisdom in just about everything around me. So right now we have Miss Jessie, so there's a wealth of information and wisdom to be learned. So that's a never-ending process. But also, you know, on a personal level, um, there's so much for me to learn. So my eyes and ears are always open. That's never going to go away. I find like that way of learning tends to keep me sharp. You know, there's always, you know, uh, some kind of seminar that I would attend. There's always some kind of speaking engagement. But for me, the kind of learner I am is I really need to be hands on. So uh, just simply paying attention in the ways that I did as we built our business is still, still very beneficial to me. Do you just randomly walk in salons sometimes and just, you know, try to keep your ear to the ground and see what the new thing is out there or... Yeah, so it's not uncommon for me to walk into a salon, but my business focus has changed uh, over time. Although we initially started our business largely in the salon, our product company took off in a huge way. So I'm sure you understand that we had to start focusing and paying attention to our larger business, which is our product business. So uh, you can find me less in salons and more paying attention to people on the street and their hair or going into some of our large retail partners like Target, Walmart, and Walgreens and seeing what's on the shelves and paying attention to trends because um, although, you know, our salon is a place where we still test product and we still work at, it's really uh, a focus on our product business. So I tend to take a look and and see what's going on on the streets and also uh, where our product lives, which is in some of the large retailers. And that's why I asked about the salons, not necessarily because you were focused on styles as much as you were more concerned about what is the young generation asking for? for? What are they looking for product-wise and how are they treating their heads and all that kind of stuff? But I imagine you're kind of all over that stuff by just staying in the streets and you have a great Petri dish, if you will, by being in New York. Oh, absolutely. New York, there's so much to see. The people watching here (laughs) is incredible. But, you know, the other thing is, is by me going on tour and speaking about my business, I'm always interfacing with people. So someone could be asking me something about business, but have a wonderful head of hair. And that conversation is always ongoing. So I'm always, I feel like my hand is in it, you know, whether it's physically at the salon or I'm just interfacing with people just face to face. And with that, you know, I'm always able to take that intelligence and bring it back to our headquarters and then process it and and really understand trends or understand, you know, where the market might move. So, again, I'm always paying attention to what I'm seeing, hearing, smelling and and feeling. You know, I don't want to ask a silly question here, but is there a such thing as good hair versus (laughs) versus bad hair? Yeah, I I don't think that there's a such thing as good hair versus bad hair. But I have to tell you, you know, over the years growing up, I grew up in the 70s. I'm a 70s baby. Me too. Over the years, I've witnessed many of my friends uh, being told that they had bad hair 
and not good. This was either done intentionally or unintentionally, but the messaging was certainly uh, received. And it was being passed down from generations over generations of, of people. And when I had a discovery at bath time with my son, and at the time I wanted to continue to wear my hair straight, and I still wear my hair straight when I can, but my son would no longer allow me to wear my hair straight because he splashed around at bath time. <laughs> so anyone who has any kind of texture to the hair knows once water hits it, it's going to shrink up right. and it's going to you know shrivel. And that discovery that I had about uh, the texture of my hair, which I was, you know, it was no stranger because I always knew my hair shrunk up. That discovery about my curly hair, I was reintroduced to my curly hair and kinky hair because my hair is not all curly in all areas, made me embrace it because it just wasn't practical for me to wear my hair straight every day because I was a full-time mom and I couldn't get around giving him a bath. Mm -hmm. At the time, we were doing hair in our house. And if my customers wanted to get their hair done, they had to see me with my hair in a trunk upstate. Luckily, that started a conversation. And that conversation began to be a huge conversation. That discovery that TD and I had in our salon, um, really focusing on curls, kinks, and ways, uh, we realized it was larger than just us offering hair services. Uh, as stylists, uh, the name of the game is, is don't tell your customers your secrets so they can come back. That's the nature of being a stylist or a salon owner. When we discovered that many people had curly hair, kinky hair is essentially a tightly coiled curl. When we discovered that we had curly hair within the kinks, we knew that this was probably a secret and new discovery for not only us, but for many women who had hair like us. So we thought that it was more important for us to get the message out for women who didn't really know what they had. So what I discovered at bath time with my own hair is something that I share with my customers. And honestly, I discovered that what we have is so wonderful. Our hair is so versatile. It's mm -hmm. curly. It could be styled straight. We can do so many things with it. Um, so if I had a preference, I wouldn't want anyone's hair other than mine. And I think now with the discovery of our hair and its natural state and the sharing of information from people like Titi and myself with women via the internet and also creating wonderful products like Miss Jessie did for many, I think that many women would probably agree that having their own hair, the one that God gave them, is probably the best thing on earth. So I'm very proud of that. It could probably argue that some people might feel like their hair is the best hair on earth. Yeah. So there might be a preference going on now with this discovery. So You bring up a good point. I think that I've seen an explosion in the past few years about women of color, especially being more proud of the natural state of their hair and maybe adding maybe natural products to it, but still keeping their hair authentic for the most part, because you're seeing YouTube videos and you, you just have a different segment of customers out there that really embrace how their hair looks. And, you know, there's other cultures, frankly, that steal the looks in the natural appearance of a lot of the what we see today from women of color. So there is something there. And you're right. I think that there was a misrepresentation. I'm a, I'm a baby of the 70s, too. And I grew up where at a time, you know, that was the only term that was used. Either you had good hair or bad hair, as if you know, I think Chris Rock or somebody said at one time, like the bad hair, when that hair goes to sleep, it commits crimes that night and the good hair just <laughs> sleeps there pretty, you know. So, yeah, I think you guys have an amazing, amazing product that kind of enhances 
you know, what we're seeing in this explosion. And that's why I said earlier that you guys are pioneers in this space, because when I started using the product, you know, I'm a user, I'm a, I'm a recent user for the past year and a half, I think. It's done wonders to my head that I wasn't able to get out of other products. Typically, I went for a long period without having to do anything. I could just throw water in it and it would curl up a little bit and have that look. But the older I get, the more sensitive it is to sun and other stuff. So I know there's a lot of people that understand that. I can't emphasize enough how much this product they'll be happy with to put inside their head. I'm so happy about that. We made product uh, for you to love it. And I'm so glad you find it useful. That that makes me feel great. So you seem to have so many successes, Miko. In your book, you talk about some failures and other issues that you've had, but maybe you can share something today. What are some failures that you had that you feel like you can be transparent to share with people, whether they're starting their own product line or whatever it may be that you can say, hey, look, I failed and I recovered from this. How do you do that? What are some steps you take to recover from failure? Well, I think one of the biggest failures I had and I want to share is learning is losing our business. First of all, my sister and I lost our business and I was very much in the little sister role. Uh, My sister was making all the arrangements. And once we felt the real life consequence of losing our business, I realized that I needed to step up and take uh, a more active role in all aspects of our business. Um, One of the things I like to do is I like to settle and nestle in my position of doing hair. That was my strong point. And I wanted to do the creative stuff only. I wasn't interested in, you know, the nuts and bolts of the administrative part of business. When the consequences came and the failures came, it was very clear to me that I had to step up and be very knowledgeable in all aspects of the business because we didn't have the luxury of having someone do that for us. So uh, that was one of the things that I did that I felt like I failed in that I didn't have that understanding when I first went into business with my sister. It was my understanding that I would play in hair all day mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would make us a ton of money. And that's what I would be doing. And my sister would focus on all the other things that I honestly didn't like it. You know, it was actually a turnoff to me, uh, business at the time. After, you know, I feel like I failed myself, but I also realized that I'm never going to let myself down and fail in that area because guess what? I'm going to be involved in all aspects of the business and I'm never going to be in a position where I can ever blame anyone for our, our failures. So that's something that happened that was a bitter pill to swallow, but it was also the best thing that ever happened to me because I stepped up. And I learned to be accountable for all aspects of it. So if anything were to go wrong, then I can honestly say it wasn't her fault or it wasn't his fault. I, you know, I played an active role and next time I could do better. So for me, I love to be able to say I did that. I failed in that versus, you know, um, blaming it on someone else and saying they messed me up because nine times out of 10, I feel like I probably could have done a better job. So if I fail, I want to know that I did everything I could do versus maybe someone who's not as invested in me. So um, that was a failure that I learned from. And um, it's something that I, I still abide by that long rule. How do you feel about the hair industry today? I mean, now we're several years <laughs> advanced and your products have been out, done very successful. They're in large chains, you know, big box retailers. How do you think about the industry and even competitors? Do you think the market is saturated or do you still think that there's space out there for other 
people and young women and men to jump into? So the good news is that TG and I have a few businesses and we have a salon and we also have a hair product business. So in the salon, I think that, you know, that's a different hat to wear and assessing that business is one thing. I think what you're referring to is the product business on shelf. That's right. Yeah. So I I think in the product business, the market is uh, saturated. I even think it's oversaturated. I think that the Me Too brands, there's an overabundance of Me Too brands Mm -hmm. with little innovation coming out. Mm -hmm. So when TG and I first came out with the Curly Pudding, which was a groundbreaking and very innovative product, um, I think that that made, you know, big strides, you know, in the beauty industry. I feel like in this in this industry, I'd like to see more breakthroughs and more innovation, not just for uh, wanting to see something different, but also it would be very helpful to women, a, a huge group of women who really didn't have many options, you know, prior to this time. Competition is a funny thing. And uh, as you know, TT and I didn't go to business school. We also didn't go to business charm school either. <laughs> so when we first started seeing our, our first knockoffs of curly pudding and Uncle Jesse and mm. Aunt Jesse started. Uncle Jesse. Uncle Jesse and Aunt Jesse. And then, you know, many of our competitors started having grandmothers and, you know, the story started sounding similar and you paired it up with pudding. Titi and I were not, (laughs) we were not flattered. (laughs) We, you know, in in New York, we call it biting. Why are you biting? Yeah, why are you biting? That's right. Yeah, why are you biting? You know, get your own, get your own. And, um, that's part of our culture here. Uh, we in New York, there's a lot of innovation. And Tiki and I grew up during the rap era. So when we saw two people battling, you have to have your own style. Oh, same so, here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we had that philosophy and we, you know, that was extended to the to the hair care uh, business. At first, we weren't that flattered. But, you know, over time, what we realized is that with our competitors, uh, what Tika and I did was not only opened up new options for women in hair care, we also set up a space for other businesses uh, who had similar experiences to Tiki and I, probably, you know, largely women, women and women of color with minority backgrounds. We set up a space for women to set up shop in Target like we did. So although, you know, Titi and I were initially annoyed, Titi and I certainly have a better understanding and we're sure that uh, our participation and our contributions to not only hair, but industry and, you know, as entrepreneurs is tremendous and we're extremely proud of it. So we've learned to really embrace competition in, in a different way now. I see you doing something like that. I see you creating, you know, right now what's really big, both in New York, North Carolina, where I'm at and other cities is people creating accelerators and co-working hubs for businesses to come in and you foster those businesses and build them up. I believe that even if right now you're kind of creating your products and maintaining your brand, I still believe that you, I'm, I'm talking to you directly, you have the wherewithal, you have the business savvy to create even a small accelerator yourself to bring in those next young people to create the disruption in the business. So, you know, in one sense, you're kind of creating some competitors against you, but in another sense, you're almost mothering the new business out there. Now, I, you know, frankly, I've walked into a beauty store and your head will spin on the products on the shelf. I have no idea what I'm looking for now, except for Miss Jessie's and that seriously, other than that, I don't know who 
uh, machine is and <laughs> whatever the names are, I have no idea what it, what it will do for me differently. But I think, you know, you having that name, that reputation and creating in New York somewhere, just a small accelerator of the next fashion young people or beauty young people and kind of fostering them to say, hey, create your business here and use our brand. I think that would be interesting for you guys to do. Well, believe it or not, I've already started it. And TK and I were very uh, deliberate and adamant that we wanted to share our story so we could inspire others. If we can do it, you can do it too. So when we wrote our book, you know, although we were great at hair care, great at mixing curly pudding, we understood that we have a new valuable product and that's knowledge. And just by reading our story and telling people how we did it and being as transparent as we were in our book, we're actually creating those hubs um, as we speak. It requires less uh, organizational, you know, um, contribution from me, but it really, you know, inspires that thought process, you know, um, amongst the readers to get up and just do it. So I really believe that I've already started that process by my sister and I writing that book. As we close here, I wanted to talk about something. I know that your sister was more than just a business partner. It's safe to say she meant just as much to the success of the business as you did, of course. We all know the story of at this point of her passing. And how has that changed you and your focus in business in general? Or has it? I mean, you're just sticking to the game plan that you guys created years ago. Or how has that shifted gears for you in being an entrepreneur that you are? So Titi in life, you know, in her life, Titi helped to mold me and to raise me. I was Titi's protege. Titi in death is still affecting me in a tremendous way. You know, I often ask, you know, what would Titi do? Hmm. You know, so I see Titi um, come through me, you know, when it comes through decision making. If normally, you know, I had a way in which I wanted to handle a matter. I'm still moving through our business as if Titi is here and present because she actually is here and present through me. You know, I feel her spirit. So after Titi's passing, there's so much intelligence that I have about Titi, the person, Titi, the woman. And then there's also some seeds that Titi planted in our business that, you know, I'm seeing come to fruition. So there's still a lot of information to process. I mean, you know, it's always ever changing. I'm still learning from my sister. And honestly, I feel like my sister had poised me and set things up. So in her passing and in her absence, I would still be able to carry on. And that I am, I think I'm doing a good job. That's amazing. It's special when someone finds their calling in life. You know, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I'm a believer, if you will. Yeah. And I believe a lot of times people, you know, similar to, to Jesus, who kind of found his way when, you know, going into the word, they said that he, you know, he read where he was supposed to have his calling. It said, you know, the Lord is upon me and I should preach the gospel. And he's like, I got it. And he closed the book. And I think that, you know, it means a lot for entrepreneurs in the same respect to kind of know what they're called to do and walk in that calling and you've done just that. And, you know, my hat goes off to you and your sister for following your dreams and your goals and your passions and believing in them so much, even beyond the failures and some of the, the, the miscommunications that you and TT had. I, I just admire you a lot as an entrepreneur, you know, you and your sister. And um, I thank your grandmother and your family and all of that that kind of instilled that in you. And, I'm, you know, it's a lot of things that I'm trying to do as a father with my daughters, too, is to, to make sure that they understand like, hey, you know, having a significant other husband or whatever it may be is important. But mm -hmm. don't let that be the catalyst 
for your success. Understand that the success is in you. Because a lot of times women tend to get themselves wrapped up into the man so much so that uh, they lose themselves. Our dad, uh, he shamed us out of putting uh, any value or emphasis on anything other than ourselves, whether it be material things, whether it be men. He really wanted us to understand that the value came from us. And he thought that being independent was a great uh, foundation for us. And uh, I'm so glad we had him uh, to instill those values. And I I see signs of my dad uh, in my life and in my business and also my romantic life. It's just really good as a woman for her to be able to be confident in who she is. It just, it, it's just, it's a good feeling. So Miko, before we close, do you want to share how people can get in touch with you? Or is there anything else you'd like to, to share how people can buy your products and, you know, maybe even read your book or feel free to talk about anything you like at this point. So um, I've been enjoying Instagram and Twitter. And uh, if anyone wants to talk to me, um, I answer back. I'm Miko Branch, M-I-K-O-B-R-A-N-C-H. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram personally. Um, of course, you can get a hold of Miss Jessie's. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's M-I-S-S underscore J-E-S-S-I-S. We have our website, www.missjessies.com. Uh, we'd love for you to support our business and purchase our book, we, uh, Miss Jessie's Creating a Successful Business from Scratch Naturally at our website. You can get our product in most of the large retailers, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Sally's, any beauty supply store, and Target, of course. We're happy about Miss Jessie's and we're happy to hear from all of you. So we're looking forward to it. That's right, guys. So go out, check out MissJessie's.com. Uh, you can go to their shop section to get the products. I just told you that I'm a user myself and I enjoy it. Definitely check out MissJessie's.com. Also, check out the book. The book is awesome. I've read it. I'd love to hear your feedback on it. Miko, it was a pleasure talking to you. I thank you so much for being on today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Missions and Marketplace. If you have a brand or business that you want to take online or you're already online and looking for more exposure, visit us at AffiliateMission.com, the premier affiliate marketing and management agency. Also feel free to get social with us and check our Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter pages and share with us your story on how you're leaving a mark in the world.